Oh, let's pray together. <clears throat> and Lord, again, we are grateful to, to again be together and to sing what we have sung. And that last song, so fitting that when life is filled with challenge, when life gets filled with struggle and trials of one kind or another, that we can lay it before you. Things don't necessarily always disappear for us, uh, and they don't necessarily, life doesn't necessarily turn into what we would like it to be, but uh, you are there to walk with us through thick and thin. And for that, we are grateful. And for these next few moments that we spend in your word, I pray that you would lead us through each moment of this shell of a, a message. In Jesus' name, amen. This past weekend, or weekend, this past week, I should say, uh, I had a birthday on Thursday, so I turned 51. So it is now official. I am definitely on the back nine of the golf course of life now. And uh, I might even be on hole number 10, you know, or maybe 11. I don't know. I'm, well, who really does ever know? But uh, Stephen was home for a few days. He came home on Thursday. And, and uh, he's had an interesting few weeks here. He's, he's began, or he's begun, I should say, um, his uh, fifth year of university this fall. And, and he's had quite an eventful three weeks, too. Uh, he's fished quite a bit. Um, probably a lot more than a university student should have time for actually and and I throw it up there because I, I love the pictures that he sends because I uh, I kind of live my fishing life vicariously through him right now and uh, so it's uh, he's he's having some fun and and he's done all right this year so far too he's also had two auditions already like uh, since he started uh, well in the, well, since school has started up and he is going to be the jazz or the singer for the university jazz orchestra he, he was this once before too and so this is throughout the year he'll be uh be with them the lone singer which is kind of exciting and you know he's a jazz guy and that's the emphasis of his music program and uh however he's also auditioned for another choir too um, a classical choir and it's a very different genre of music for someone like him who has all of his previous years it's it's been in jazz and but he got he made that audition he got into that choir and so now this spring that classical choir that university choir is going to be touring and, and performing in spain in the spring and so that too is very exciting for him and and for us too sure and, and we're really happy for him he's uh, he's doing what he loves and he's also to have it he's also able to have it wrapped up in you know some adventure too in traveling through a beautiful and and through a very historic country like spain uh so it's pretty awesome for him and and as i was thinking of I mean, this this whole thing of traveling like being able to travel is a lot of fun it really is uh, and it just opens your eyes up to more of the world and and, and to more of the people that are within it too and and I've never been to Europe as Stephen will be and, and, uh, and as Kara has been um, but you know together um, maybe through her influence we've been able to travel and get around a little bit and and once you do travel they say that when you do start traveling a little bit you get the travel bug right you get that way or you, you just feel like you want to you want to do it more and more and I can relate to that I, I would love to see more of the world and, and and you know I'd love to see more of of our own country too for that matter it's it's we, we live in a quite a beautiful country and, and and you know sometimes this kind of thing it occupies my mind like the whole traveling thing and going various places seeing different things and, and I'll even watch from time to time those traveling shows like Caribbean life or Hawaiian life or uh, uh, where people are considering making a move from Canada or the US to 
some of those kinds of places. Um, and, and there's some shows too that also feature places in Europe, like like Italy or Greece or, or France and so forth. And and some of the places that they they mentioned or that they highlight they're, they're wickedly expensive though, you know. And and then there's some that that aren't so they don't seem so bad. And but I have to catch myself because. While what we experience through vacations or through watching tantalizing exposés on various areas of the world, um, I live here in southeastern Manitoba, and uh, where the Great Plains begin. You know, to quote Gord Downey of the tragically hip, and we can think we can think of a, a lot of things about our area that that we dread. You know, the winters, and sometimes they're a little colder than we'd like, and sometimes they kind of hang on a little longer than we'd like to. But there is still an awful lot of beauty that is all around us. There really is. I, I mean, harvest time, like or just before Mike and Mike and like people like him, they, <laughs> the farmers, when they before they cut everything and this the, the the golden wheat that you see, the fields and so forth, and and also this too. I think that our sunrises and our sunsets they rival any other in any part of the world, any other part of the world. Uh, that's my opinion. But what really makes a place worth it? Uh, it isn't how warm it is or how picturesque it might be, as, as awesome as some of those things might be, but it will always, always be the people who truly make a place great. And, and I think, I, I, I do think this, I think, it's not that I want this, but I do think that we could live anywhere. You know, even Saskatchewan or... <laughs> or <laughs> sorry, Donna, I, I couldn't even look you in the eye when I said that one. I had to look away before I said that one. So... <laughs> But uh, really, I think, I think really uh, we could live almost anywhere um, where there are people whom we, with whom we can grow in friendship together with. And, and this is something that I never, ever want to lose focus of. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that, that understanding because I'm grateful for the friendships in our lives wherever we have been. And when we look back over the years, it has been the people whom God has brought into our lives and, or, uh, or allowed for our journeys in life to intersect with one another, to build friendships with. Uh, they have been the greatest blessings for us. And all of our lasting memories, they consist of those friendships much more than warm climates or whatever scenery will accompany that, and I don't ever, ever want to lose focus of that. And I think that this is one of the common threads, or one of the threads of commonality that is found within three of our readings this morning, uh, that people are the crowning jewels of the Lord. People matter to God so much. And, and this is the second week in a row where our Old Testament reading is found within the book of Amos. And, and this time it's in chapter 6. Last week we were in chapter 8. Um, and, and the theme, that, that theme of people being jewels to the Lord, people mattering to, to God, um, that, that's a theme that gained steam in, in chapter 8. And, uh, but it was still the same in chapter 6 as well. People are the jewels that, uh, that God loves. And, and the prophet Amos... If you remember, he, he's really upset. You read his book, it sounds like such an angry book. And, uh, and why is because the Judaic law was being disrespected and disregarded, and by Jewish people too, of all things. And, and it wasn't about keeping the law in a legalistic sense that was upsetting him as far as following religious rites and practices as they were concerned. It was the disregarding of what the law had to say about people, about being merciful and about being just. The emphasis being on the poor, such as the widows and the orphans, the sick and the hungry, really all those who suffered and who are without means to support themselves. 
And as Amos saw it, the rich, the wealthy, they made their fortunes on the backs of the poor and cared little for them. Just to read some of chapter 6 again. Woe to those who are at ease, who lie on beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches, who eat their fill, who drink wine and indulge in the finest of things. You are of means, is what Amos is throwing out there, putting before them. You're blessed, and you do not think at all of the misfortunate. You do not share because you do not care. How can it be? How can you not be grieved over the ruin of Joseph? The ruin of Joseph. What was the ruin of Joseph? Well, it's not specific, but perhaps the ruin of Joseph were all those who were left to fall through the cracks in life of that culture and of that time, allowing them to remain oppressed. And his words, they just scream with indignation and maybe even a touch of disbelief, too. How can you sit idly by and do nothing for your brothers and sisters who suffer so badly? How, how can you do that? And Amos makes a very bold statement from it all too where he says, listen, there is nothing that separates you from the poor. Nothing. And when larger and more ominous nations do rise up and when they do come and they will, your wealth will be theirs for the taking and you will be as poor as the ones whom you are ignoring right now. And can we relate to Amos today in this 21st century? Well, there certainly are people who are being exploited today in our world, without question, in various areas of the world. I mean, we hear of this whole issue of, horrible issue of human trafficking, and then we also hear of things such as child labor, both forms of slavery. And we'd really be very naive to think that oppression of various forms doesn't exist within our very own country, too. The truth of it all is that the world is a broken place and the world has its problems. You know, there are some organizations that, that, are, that are formed to assist third world countries and developing countries to provide some, you know, provide food and assistance and some instruction or education on how to grow and how to farm. And there are other organizations working toward providing clean water, primary, middle school and high school education. Medical care, proper clothing. Canadian Lutheran World Relief does an awful lot in that area, as does Compassion Canada. And, and the poor, they are ever around us in this world, and, and they are more near to us than we might even be aware, and the needs are ever so great. And the question really then is, I think, is do we notice? Is enough being done? Is enough awareness being made? Are the poor, are they being ignored and neglected? And Jesus certainly seemed to imply this to be true of the first century, too, when he told a story about a rich man and a poor man named Lazarus, and both of whom had passed away and they left this world for another. And this story pictures the very real economic gap between the rich and the poor of that day. And it says the rich man was poured in, or the rich man was, uh, was clothed in purple and, and fine linen, and, and that's the wardrobe of, of a nobleman, of someone who was wealthy. And he feasted sumptuously every day, is what it said, sumptuously, which would indicate that he didn't experience what so many others within his culture were experiencing, and that being hunger. He was a man of abundance. And Lazarus, a poor man, and he was sick, he was immobile, and his means of survival were laid up in the hope that anyone who would pass by him at the city gate would either give him a coin or 
or maybe something to eat. And he is in such bad shape that it would appear that he wasn't even able to get to the city gate on his own. Someone had to place him there. And, and what a difference between Lazarus and the rich man. And they both pass away. And what we find as we listen to Jesus tell this story is that there's this role reversal that happens. And Lazarus is seen by Abraham's side. Abraham, the father Abraham. The father of the Judaic faith. And Lazarus is beside him in fellowship with him. And, and there, Lazarus, he is renewed. He is, there is no more pain. He is now uh, a picture of health. And he's at peace and he's in comfort. Whereas the rich man is not. And once the rich man realizes that his plight, that it, it cannot be reversed, he then pleads for his five brothers that are remaining back on earth. And he asks Abraham to, to please do something to warn them of the place where he now found himself in. And he even asks for Lazarus to be sent back to earth, thinking that if a person raised from the dead would stand before his five brothers and tell them of that place of Hades that he found himself in, then those five brothers, they would get it and they would make better choices and they would live more graciously and more generously and more within the character of God. But Abraham thought otherwise. And he said, they have Moses and the prophets to guide them. If they do not listen to the law, if they do not live in that belief, then what more can be done for them? Not even a dead person being raised from, raised from the grave, raised back, would, raised back to life would convince them. And would that be true? Well, certainly was after Jesus' resurrection. When he appeared, how many, to, to people after his resurrection, there were still many who did not believe. And what I think is interesting and worth taking note of, too, in the story that Jesus told is the rich man isn't identified by a name. He's simply called the rich man, but Lazarus, the poor man, he's, he's identified personally by name. Naming Lazarus humanizes him. And I think it compels us, to, compels us to see him as a real person. And as his earthly plight is described to us, as it's detailed to us the, the, by Jesus, the, the strings of our hearts, are, they're pulled. And we feel compassion. We feel even remorse. And I think that this was the intent of Jesus, to stir the hearts of his listeners, to see that the kingdom of heaven, for it to be active on earth, it requires that his followers, that his saints, his that the believers, that they will live in mercy and justice and extend compassion so that it's going to land on those who are poor. So it's going to land on those who are poor in spirit. And it's not about money or having money. It's about the heart of people. It's what's in the heart of men and women and children. What's in my heart and what's in your heart. And I think Paul is clear on something too in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and he preaches that contentment when contentment holds hands with godliness it is a great thing and as followers of Jesus we believe that all that we have that, that's been given to us it's all God given and with this truth well in focus there is a strong confidence that grows within us because we understand and recognize that life as we know it and experience it it is just one blip it's just one small part or moment in the light of the eternity that god has given to all who believe to all who are of the good confession and paul mentions something of this doesn't he the good confession and specifically he refers to a moment he refers to jesus when standing before pontius pilate made the good confession and what was that about well this is in reference to a 
to a, a conversation in, within the Gospel of John, a substantive conversation between Jesus and Pilate. It's recorded where Jesus declares that he has a kingdom and his kingdom, it is not of this world. And he is a king. And he's come to bear witness to the truth. And, and this was an assertion that he was, he was the, the descendant of David prophesied of, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. And why is this significant? It means that as followers of Jesus, we are then citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And that we would then march to the beat of a very different drum. Where all of what we do and, and how we live, it's, it has such greater purpose with it, attached to it. And there's really only one potential rival that could interfere with that purpose becoming fulfilled. And that is when this purpose moves out of focus. Usually because of a growing discontent. And discontent is not always a bad thing because it can move us to greater things where a greater hungering and thirst for the Lord is happening. But if we do not guard our hearts, discontent will whisper into our ears things and messages or lines intended to keep our focus within a very small sphere that usually pertains to just self. And with that being the most central focus, or if that is the most central focus in our lives, how then will the love of Jesus ever find its way to the poor? to the lonely, to the brokenhearted, to the despaired? How will the generosity of the kingdom of heaven ever be seen or received? Here's a little short story that I read this past week. And it, there was a baby camel standing next to his mother and asked his mom, Mother, why do I have these huge three-toed feet? Well, son, your toe helps you stay on your toes help you stay on top of the sand when we are walking the long distances that we do in the desert. Hmm. Okay. And why do we have these long eyelashes? Well, son, we have these we have these long eyelashes to keep the sand out of our eyes when walking long distances through the desert. Hmm. And why do I have these great humps on my back? Well, son, your humps, they store water for our long treks across the desert so that you can go days, you can go without drinking for long periods of time in the desert. And so this little camel thought about these things for a little while and then asked one final question. Okay, mom. So we have huge feet to stop us from sinking in sand, and we have long eyelashes to keep sand out of our eyes, and humps to store water so that we can spend days on end in the sand. Have I got this right so far? Yes, son. Is there a question that you have through all of this? Yes, mother. These things are all very, very good about us. Uh, they, they're all very good for the desert, but what good are they here in this zoo? <laughs> and and the, point is, the point is this. God created each of us for a purpose. And he's provided you and I with gifts and talents. And believe it or not, how God has created you with these gifts and talents, they are used and they actually make a difference in the world today. And the question that I put before you and I is, is, are we doing what God created us to do? Or have you ever felt a little bit like that baby camel in the zoo? You know, things are good. Life is somewhat comfortable and safe and nice for the most part. But yet, maybe there's this nagging feeling that you have inside from time to time that makes you feel that there has to be something more. That the God-given potential that, that, is with, that he has given you, it could be used more. 
And what might be preventing you from finding or doing that something more? Is it perhaps a, uh, because of a loss of focus, maybe? That's a discussion in and, of, in and of itself, what causes us to fall out of focus. But here is one thing, though, is that we can retreat. We can turn around and find our way back to a place of regained focus once again, where the mercy and grace of God, it always allows for U-turns and, and do-overs and new beginnings, and he's always waiting to hear your call, to hear your prayer, to your good confession which will bring you back to a place of contentment of what God has given you and blessed you with. And to see, to see this without a blurred perception of how we wish or think life ought to be because we recognize all over again that we do have real wealth to share with, to share with our world and to give away generously in our world. And God will give us eyes to see how. Because the love of God is meant to be shared. The love of God is meant to be given away. And, and maybe... Maybe this is the place to start with a prayer. And perhaps maybe this is what is in your heart today, too. Have any of you ever heard of the serenity prayer? Yeah, a few head nods. Because I think it does speak of regaining focus, being content with the Lord. Let me read it for you. God, grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change, courage to change things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. I think that's a great place to start, isn't it? We're looking for men of faith and women of faith to rise up in the truth, just to live it, and let that be a message that screams out in our world today. Let it shine out today. And in closing, why don't we sing together that uh, shout to the north. And Dwayne, if you'd come assist me in that, that would be great.